Hello, this is Matt Marone, the worship pastor here at Glenn Bible Church. You're listening to the Next Level Podcast. Today, we're going to answer listener questions from Sunday, October 8th, 2023. Hi, I'm Simone Halpin, the co-founder and executive director of Naomi's House. Hi, I'm Grant Armstrong, the adult ministries pastor here at Glen Ellen Bible Church. And I'm Caleb Brady, senior pastor at Glen Bible Church. Thanks for tuning in to the Next Level. Good morning and welcome to my office. It's a very intimate setting in here. I like it in here. It's Tuesday morning and we've been kicked out of the worship center, women's Bible studies meeting in there. So good to be in here. Good to be here this morning. It's like the uh, tiny desk concerts. It is kind of like that's how I feel. Those are so fun. Yeah. NPR. No idea what you're talking about. On YouTube and maybe it's other places too, but NPR, National Public Radio, they bring artists in. (laughs) It's hilarious, like big, huge bands, and they put them in this tiny room. And it's all, it's like an acoustic set most of the time. Sometimes there's some with electric, but you get to hear kind of a stripped version of it, and it's fun. It's really intimate. And you listen to liberal radio? Yeah. Here's a story, quick story. (laughs) He did not care. (laughs) Uh, Quick story. So I had a lot of surgeries when I was in high school, and I'd have to have MRIs beforehand. so the very first MRI I go into, you know, it's this loud machine. They give me headphones. and like, oh, do you want to listen to the radio? And I think I was 15 at the time. I'm like, yeah, turn on NPR. And the technician <laughs> says through the thing, they're like, nobody's ever asked for that before. <laughs> so hey, that's what I listened to the whole How time. was your elk hunt? Hey, thanks for bringing that up. <laughs> Did you shoot anything? One? I shot at one. Good. Yes. So that was good. That's progress? Yeah, progress. Uh, Is that your first shot? Yeah, that was the first time I released an arrow, right? You want to have high, high levels of confidence before you do it. So um, so I felt really good about the shot. I missed. What's um, your range? I kind of feel like you overthink this whole thing. Absolutely. He overthinks <laughs> everything in life. Oh, okay. And I, I didn't mean to open. It's all right. It's I've fine. Like, I'm trying to work on it. Actually, that's part of the reason I go elk hunting is like to get more in touch with like, just go with your gut. Just do your thing. So progress was that you shot one. At. I, shot, I shot at one. Yeah, and I, mean, I saw you shot an arrow is what I meant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I like encountered them every day. The like finding elk to getting a chance to shoot like, is like a huge chasm. Are you also like burdened by the fact that you might be killing this beautiful oh elk that you love? No. no, I don't mean that from like I'm just like I'm trying to I'm like I'm no. trying to unpeal you a little I mean, bit. Like yeah, oh, maybe you care deeply that's for that. Uh, I I <laughs> elk are like my favorite animal in the world. I absolutely love them. I give money. To organizations that help um, protect elk and this grow is a them. Conflict. And we have a conflict here, an what? internal because nope. he loves so, elk. It's his favorite animal. So actually, so my so argument no okay, is good to the... thin the herd. I mean, they need hunters. Yes, hunters serve the Con- conservation. Is what we would call it. Um, <laughs> it's more palatable for <laughs> suburban people. Um, the only reason elk exist today mm-hmm. in America is because of hunters. We're the only ones who put money into saving them. That's true of wild turkeys, elk. This I could go on forever. Okay. Uh, so I love them. Yes, it, killing something is my least favorite part of hunting. Okay. Um, but it's intrinsic mm-hmm. to hunting. Mm-hmm. And to Kelly's point, it is a very necessary piece. They'll eat themselves out of house and home if they're if you don't kill the older okay. animals. And they're going to die anyways. And so you're doing them a favor? Yeah. Okay. I mean... And you eat the meat? Yes, I do. I love it. Uh, I have it. no strong opinion one way or the yeah. other about hunting. I just I was more curious. So like mm-hmm. this is like you're gone for two weeks. Mm-hmm. You pulled one shot. Yeah, yeah. It's it's the hardest uh, emotional, mental, yeah. physical thing yeah. I've ever done. Yeah. Uh, every single day, 
I sleep for like three hours. Then I in the back of his truck, mind you. Yeah, yeah and then I get up and With I'm no, just. I remember you saying no cell phone. Like if yeah. something were to happen to you, you have to like. I have a little beacon, yeah. just like skiers. You know, if they get in a yeah. avalanche, I've got the same type of thing. So, yeah, you're hiking mm-hmm. up mountains every day. It's just kicking your tail, and I love it. I wouldn't have it any other way. So very satisfying in terms of it was the most difficult thing I've done to date, um, and I loved every part of it. Can you go? It's with, like his own silent retreat. Can you go with uh, <laughs> with a guide? Like, are there expeditions where you go in a yeah. group where you have a greater chance? Oh yeah, for sure. Right. But then you're not doing it all on your own, right, right? Right. So that takes a little bit of the joy away. Yeah. So I've thought about: Do I hire a guide? They're also really expensive. Sure. But do I hire a guide and uh, treat it like a teacher or a tutor, right? Because there's a ton of stuff like you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. And there's yeah. not a lot of positive or negative reinforcement. It's a little bit guess and check. Um, and a guide would shorten that learning curve quite a bit. But I'm stubborn and want to do things on my own. So I haven't done that yet. But I would have been successful long ago had I just um, taken the money from all of these trips and done one guide. And done one guide. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. But less memories. Simone, have you ever heard an elk bugle? No. It's you should Google it sometime. It's a, a crazy sound and very intimidating. Mm-hmm. It's it's uh, glorious, loud. Yeah, it's a part of a mating call. They bugle. Okay. It'll shake you to your bones. They only do it in September primarily. Did you hear one? Oh, all the time. Oh, okay. There was. They're all around him. There was evenings where I'm. I mean, I'm so tired when I get back to the truck, I can barely keep my eyes open, mm-hmm. right? I'm just exhausted. I'm laying down, and elk start bugling, and I cannot sleep. Mm-hmm. It's just every 10 minutes, it's going off, and it sounds like it's right in your truck. Just, it's so loud, and it would wake me up every 10 minutes. I'm like, I love this, but They're also, please there. stop. And I can't, I can't find them. They're out there. <laughs> well, I'd find them. I can't do anything at nighttime, though. <laughs> so, now it's, it's amazing. If I even have a hard time sleeping now, I just... Think about being out in the mountain air, breathing that in, and bam, yeah. pass out. It's great. Last time you went, you didn't you didn't have the thing on your truck yet, right? No. The, so this is your first time with your new truck set up. Yep. How was how did that go? You put he put Grant put like a a, cap a shell, or, a cap, yeah. whatever you call it, on the back of his truck so that you could yeah so sleep I could in sleep it, right? in it, and then I can move around, be really mobile, go yeah. to different spots. It was great. Did you read any good books while you were away? On your I trip? did. What did you read? Well, there was a day it was just crazy rain, so I was in the following truck. Jesus. Uh, <laughs> How not to kill an yeah. elk? Yeah. Wow, that kind of cuts deep, Simone. <laughs> um, no, Kelly gave me a book. But to go to a restaurant. Wait, what did you say? Kelly, Kelly gave me a book uh, called Hondo. How do you say the guy, the author's name? Louis Lamour. Louis Lamour. <laughs> So Western, I loved it. It was so good. It was an easy like one day read, just in one sitting. But it was, it was really good. So I love being out west. It's more it's, southwest. It's a, I think right. Yeah, yeah. But still, yeah, he, most of his books are set in Texas, Arizona, New Mexico. Yeah, it was about it's, cowboys. It's, it's and, fiction. Yeah, it was great. So I've got a, a handful more now on my bookshelf to read. Grant, we're so thankful that you're back. You're safe and sound. So is my family. Yeah, it was good to be back and see them too. I'm I'm happy to be here. The Lo- real hero is Laura. Let's be honest. Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. All right. Yeah. Let's, let's read get a question. Into some questions. All right. First one. Uh, I was surprised that there was no mention of what is happening in Israel and no corporate prayer offered. That seems like a miss. Was it considered? Yeah, it's crazy what's going on in Israel, isn't it? It's. Um, it's hard to listen to and look at. Yeah, just uh, Biden 
I read a report this morning, 11 Americans died. Mm. I think I got that right, or maybe it was 11 were kidnapped. I'm no, 11, it's 11 died, and they're not sure how many, or they haven't said how many mm. are potentially kidnapped. Yeah, so I, you know, I didn't consider praying on Sunday uh, for the terrorist attacks uh, in Israel because I was still unclear about what was happening, and I could have prayed generically, I guess, for just peace. Um, Sherry and I have a friend. Sherry stood up in her wedding. Her name is Melissa Mott. She and her husband are missionaries in Jerusalem. They have a passion that uh, ethnic Israel would come to faith in Christ. And so they live in Jerusalem and have for decades. And um, they were posting about air raid sirens Mm -hmm. and um, impending attacks. Um, And so we were watching their posts, and I'm trying to figure out what's going on. I was scanning the news uh, into Saturday night. And there wasn't much being posted. It was still very new. So, I, you know, I want to be careful what I go on the fly with on Sunday morning. And so I was just hesitant to say anything. We certainly recognize the uniqueness and the importance of the nation of Israel. We encourage people to pray for the peace of Israel. Scripture does so. Um, but at the same time, I should say that, that type of prayer will primarily happen in smaller fellowship gatherings, men's women's gatherings, Bible studies, that type of thing, small groups. And the prayer meeting before Sunday service. Yeah, hey, 745 to 815. Those things could, frequently come up in those yes, places. we pray for international issues in our prayer meetings. The reason is um, we only get 60 minutes together as a congregation, a whole congregation gathered. Um, and so there's a there's an economy of what can be prayed for. There's a there's a kind of a push-pull attention. It could be very easy to spend the entire service praying for global issues. We could factually spend the entire service praying for global issues. Someone pointed out that uh, Afghanistan on Saturday, I think it was, or Sunday morning, uh, had a giant earthquake, quake, earthquake, mm-hmm. earthquake, and 2,500 people lost their lives. So, you know, we need we just we need to guard the time that we have together on Sunday morning. And, um, and so we, we watch closely and yeah. Yeah. We were talking about this a little bit before, uh, we hit the record button today, but, um, yeah, I mean, some churches, the church that I was previously at in the city, our services ran closer to the hour 30 mark. We would regularly pray for, you know, especially city centric stuff, things that were happening in the city, mm-hmm. um, especially that, but you know, we had a lot of time where we kind of had some time that was baked in where it's like we're already planning on doing some things like this. And, um, you know, when you when we do run a 60-minute service, I mean, that is we're in, we're out. That's our culture. That's the rhythm here. It is. Um, you know what? The podcast actually is an outgrowth of feeling pinched sure. on Sunday morning. That's a good point. Yeah. I mean, honestly, my like my own personal preference, like I, the sixty the the sixty minute thing, I, I enjoy it because it it is you know kind of kind of neat and fast and and you know like it feels. Um, but like if we went longer, I wouldn't oppose that. But I know there are some people that that would kind of. You're also paid to work at a church, so like you probably like church more than the average bear, right? Possibly, yeah. <laughs> but I know that that would complicate a lot of folks' rhythms. And kids ministry is hard, and kids ministry gets difficult. Like, yeah, um, a ninety-minute so, kids experience can be hard to program. Yeah, absolutely. 
So there are lots of factors that go into why, probably why we've historically landed yeah. on a shorter 60-minute service. And I don't know. Would you say that's an average service length? I'm going to say 75 minutes is the national average. Yeah. 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 Um, the whole thing I last night you know, I was reading about Israel, praying for it. It's theologically complex. You think? Like, I feel... Uh, I mean, I'm really grateful that I can bring all things to God and I don't have to have it figured out, but was wrestling quite a bit of even how to pray towards... I mean, obviously, I want peace and all those things, um, but then praying against injustice mm-hmm. and praying for justice and trying to wrap my head around how God thinks about ethnic Israel today. Mm-hmm. It's just, there's a lot there. So, I mean, I offer that mostly to say, you'd have to unpack quite a bit mm-hmm. to yeah. jump into that Sunday and do that well, lead yeah. us in a... Mm-hmm. I think that's, um, I'm trying to like take note of, I feel a little bit defensive t- towards this question. And I think it's because I want that, I'm hoping that most people who sit at Glenn Bible on Sunday mornings are trusting and praying for the leadership and mm-hmm. that you're not ignorant mm-hmm. to current affairs and yeah. that you're using wisdom and discernment as to how to lead us. And so I don't, maybe I don't mind the question right. that why didn't you bring it up? Because here you are able to explain, but the, that little phrase, it seems like a miss just kind of stings a little bit. Like I'm sure that they don't mean it maybe as it could come across, but I also feel like, well, I mean, Let's give everybody the benefit of the doubt. I mean, mm. you're mindful and thoughtful about what you do pray about, Kelly, on mm. Sunday mornings, and I don't know. No, I hear you. You're hoping that there's a uh, a trust kind of mm-hmm. in leadership, absolutely. But at the same time, it, we're going to miss it. We probably miss something. I'm sure we miss mm-hmm. something every week. Sure. So we it, want an appropriate humility, and we want to be able to acknowledge the fact that we'll miss some things. Mm-hmm. And good things do come from um, acknowledging the world around us, right? Uh, like, that's, that's, that is a good thing. Like, I well, can they're see teachable why. moments, yeah. Yeah, and it just, you know, we, you get a sense that, oh, yeah, there is a lot more life going on than in Wheaton and Glen Ellen. Right. And, you know, there's just a lot of stuff going on. Mm-hmm. And so good things can come from that. It's not that in any way, shape, or form we're opposed to, to doing that. And one of the, another thing we were talking about earlier was, like, um, especially if something is an ongoing conflict, like, Ukraine or whatever, um, usually those things do find their ways into uh, message. Ser- sermons and, and prayer in, in, in those areas and in those in those moments. Like I feel like Kelly's actually done a, a pretty good job about referencing those mm-hmm. things inside of his his time on the platform. And- I love to do current events. Uh, the line share of devotionals that we used to do with our teenage kids were around current events. What would the Bible say about this? Or how do we apply our faith and live it out? Um, so I love that work. Yeah. Um, all right, let's go to the next one. What can I do as a parent of young children to help them train in godliness? Yeah, I love this. You know, I, I'll ballpark it at 75% of our congregation is ra- raising school-age children. So... This is in the sweet spot of Glow and Bible Church. We want to help parents make disciples at home. Um, and so in training in Godless, I was reflecting last night. I had a lone moment last night and just it didn't feel like I made them, like I kind of had the, I wondered, I, all my kids are, are grown and they're out of the house. So I was wondering, did I do a good job training my kids? 
as I was thinking about this question. And I, I had some good moments, some shining moments, and some misses. And so I'll give you what, um, you know, kind of these won't surprise anybody. But the first thing I would say is what our kids primarily need are transformed, transforming parents. What our kids primarily need are parents whose hearts are being transformed by Jesus. The rest will take care of itself. So let's avoid being formulaic about every night at 6 p.m. I'm sitting down and reading God's word. That's a great habit. But what they really need are, are parents who soft, who are soft-hearted towards Jesus and growing in their faith. I'd like to say our kids need guides, not explorers. Parents, guides are those who've been there, done that. Come on, I'll show you the way. I've been there. Explorers are, let's see if we can find our way over there, not having done it before. And man, if you're more of an explorer than a guide, don't spend any time beating yourself up. Um, but I'm, if we're going to make a priority, I love the what the airlines tell you when you're the crash instructions are begin, given at the beginning of the flight. Hey, if the oxygen mask dropped down, put your mask on first and then help others who can't get theirs on. And it's the same is true spiritually is let's be people, let's be parents. What our kids need to see is Christ in us. That's convincing. So beyond that, read scripture with them. Try to do it daily. Talk with them about, about spiritual topics. Pray with and for them. Remember uh, that there are formal and informal aspects to discipleship. A lot of my disciple making was done in the car on the way somewhere. Yep. To that, this is just like the specific that in, in our life, what I do. I drive Tucker to school every morning. It's a 20-minute drive. Um, not every single day, but we try to listen to the proverb that matches the day. So if it's Proverbs 5, or if it's the 5th, what's today? The 10th. So I should have listened to Proverbs 10 today. I did not. Uh, that's my confession. But we try to listen to Proverbs 10, and then we talk about it together. Mm-hmm. Um, and right, he has like different levels of understanding and grasp it. Um, but, and I didn't come up with this. Actually, John Greening recommended it to me. He said, you know. He's one you, of our elders. Yeah. Um, He's like, you do that every month as they grow. They've gone through the book of Proverbs, God's wisdom for us. How many times um, you've anchored those things in their heart in a really unique way. So um, to me, that feels like low-hanging fruit of like, yep, we listen to it. It takes five, six minutes to listen through it once or twice and then chat through that and kids pick out different things and you can connect it back to other parts of scripture. And that's just been a, a practical or pragmatic uh, approach that I've taken. Grant's kids are super young, um, elementary age, preschool, and um, if you've got kids that age, use a translation that is very accessible. Use the the New Living Translation, or use the Message, um, something that so that the language of the text is not a barrier to the kids' ears, like they can easily latch onto it. Something that I've learned. Um, definitely still working on it, have not mastered this, but is also knowing your kids well enough to Mm, have conversations or 
habits or whatever it is that you're doing with them that speak to them as opposed to just doing what works for you. Um, and that takes a little bit more energy and creativity. And I can think of my own kids for the first time, Anthony and I are saying, we feel like we're parenting two separate sets of kids. Cause we've got two little kids and two teenagers. And for the first time, it feels like there's a massive gap between the age because two have kind of grown up a little bit and two are still very little. So I'm noticing the difference it takes to have meaningful and intentional discipleship, you know, minded conversations with my teenagers is a lot different than it is with my little kids. And even with my little kids, the way they interact with us and questions and, um, you know, respond to things is, is different. So it's, I don't know, it's exhausting. <laughs> Can I just say that? Sure. Um, but I appreciate the person asking this question. And I think being intentional and being creative and asking other people as well is a really good way. As long as you don't fall into the trap of comparison, because if you start to, we had this, a, a small group a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about, um, it was a, someone was reading like a, a, a transcript from a podcast that they liked and about how to teach your kids to have similar values to you. Like, how do you actually do that? And it turned quickly into me thinking, oh my gosh, I have blown it. I've completely missed it. Like I've had, I've had all these opportunities and I failed. Um, and so then we talked a little bit about that. Sometimes when you have conversations with people about how they do, like if they hear you or even you grant talk about, Oh, you read a, a proverb with your son every day. Sometimes you like have this shame come over you and like, I've never done that. I am the worst parent ever. So I'm, you just got to be careful when you do have these conversations with other people that you, um, you battle that and not compare, be inspired and not shamed, that's, you know, that's a good word. And then went back to the small group thing really quickly is we were talking about all these things and then I just blurted it out realizing, Oh, I, I, none of this was done with for me. None of it. I did was not raised in a Christian home. My parents did not take me to church. No one read a proverb to me. None of it. And God's been good. And God's been good. And in yeah, his amen. own grace and sovereignty, mm. he still chose me. And I think that's important to remember. Like we can do so many things that are honorable and godly and intentional. And your kids still might go. It's a not an excuse. It's a reality yeah. though. And they still might go a different direction. The opposite can happen as yeah. well. So yeah. just be faithful. Yeah. You know, when we, uh, as pa parents, being a parent is so hard. It's the hardest thing in the world. It is the hardest thing to do. I could just cry. I mean, it just is. Elk um, hunting might be harder. I don't know. What's that? Elk hunting might elk be hunting harder. Might be harder. <laughs> elk hunting while you're a parent is the hardest thing <laughs> in the galaxy. Um, That's good. It's, it, it's just, it's difficult. And I'm going to get into it uh, here um, in why I think it's so difficult. Uh, but you know, when we hear like, what, what do we do? How can we train our kids up in godliness? Immediately our minds go to what can we do? What, how can mm -hmm. we work? How mm -hmm. can we plan? How can that we, word. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and, and those are all good things to think about. Like, yeah, what can we do? And Oh, you guys do that, man. Maybe I should try that. That might, that's, that's a nice rhythm. You find those rhythms at work, right? But the fruit of the spirit is, or I should say not, but, but, and, and the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Mm. Now, here's where it gets hard. Would your kids use those words to describe you? Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, And it is, it's difficult, right? But we do want... I mean, for me, when I, was a, when I was not a believer, and when I started meeting believers and investigating, they had something that I wanted. They had something 
You that saw Christ. There was this, especially in, in this one person, it was our, our drummer's mom. She just had in her, wow, she had a life of suffering. And, and she had this thing, it was in her eyes, and it was just like, what? Mm-hmm. how do you get that, you know? And there is part of that going on with our kids. You know, it's a different relationship for sure. But there is part of that. We do want to, um, we do want to show these and display these fruits of the spirit that Jesus is alive and at work in our lives, and we're full of the spirit, even in our parenting, which is so hard to do, because I would guess many of us in this room didn't have the best examples for parents. I mean, they maybe they did as good as they could do. Me personally, like. They, they were fine, but basically you're, you're probably going to parent the way you're, parent, you're parented. So, you know, as soon as my kids got to the age where they started, uh, you know, dissenting, it was just like, here, here, comes, here comes my parenting style. Bam, you know. Drop the hammer now, yeah, baby. <laughs> you will respect me. You know, just all of this stuff from the 70s and 80s starts coming out. And, um, and so I, just one practical thing, if your kids are younger, because it does start at a young age, and you start to learn how to parent. And, you know, one of the things, especially as the, as the father, wanting, wanting respect and wanting control, control and the environment to be good and just those things that naturally come out of us dads, like, you, you got you to gotta dis- determine, okay, is this, is this behavior that's just merely childish behavior? because they're a child? Or is this behavior because they are being defiant? Like they are looking at you and saying, nope, I'm going this way. And for me, I'm not saying this is true for everybody. For me, I spent a lot of time thinking that there was defiance and, you know, just fighting against my will and all of this stuff instead of just recognizing, oh man, my son is doing that because he's four. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like he's... His, his brain isn't even nearly de- anywhere near developed. He's just, this is childlike behavior. Just correct it and, you know. Um, but man, I, I think some of, uh, I, I feel like my own journey as a parent, I've turned the ship around as uh, hopefully it's not too late <laughs> with just the anger that I had in parenting and the, just the, the control and the, you know, um, these days, try to use more words like, I'm sorry. Um, I think that goes a long ways for, for parents, that your kids actually hear you apologize to them. If, you've, if you were just mad and mean and you, you said mean things in your discipline, there's still room to say, okay, you still needed to be disciplined and the, the behavior needs to be corrected. I shouldn't have been like, I'm sorry I was angry. You know what I mean? Like, I don't need to be angry at you, whatever the situation is. Um, I think those moments, the kids walk away thinking, um, oh, wow, dad just, dad just apologized to me. Like that's, he's never done that before. Oh, wow. What's going on? You know, like, so then they, they see, they see forgiveness. They see tenderness. They see more of Christ in, in you as a parent, um, while you are disciplining your kids. It's it's difficult. It was hard for me. It still is. It's, it's become more easy. Um, but it's, it's been difficult, uh, just to, you know, all of the voices in my head and all of the, the tendencies that were, you know, you guys know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. I also think there's some gender specific elements to raising kids to follow Christ. Um, 
and cross-gender elements in the home. So me relating to my daughter, Sherry relating to our son. Um, there are some unique challenges there. Um, and they require, and they require growth. They require um, prayerfulness and, again, transformed heart. So, again, I just, I'll sum it up by saying, you know, our kids need parents that are being, uh, that are following Jesus. They need to see Christ in us. That's your whole thing, Matt. You, they want to see Christ in us. So, but beyond that, there are lots of things we can do to, you know, strategically. But the most important thing is to, to follow Jesus ourselves. All right, let's, um, let's go to the next one. Uh, number three, if we can't lose our salvation, what motivation is there for godliness? I love this question because I think this question gets at uh, grace. I, I think that this is a question that grows directly out of, oh my gosh, if it's really a free gift and God is saving me, I'm not saving myself, and nothing will thwart the will of God in my life, then why would I be motivated to say no to sin? If God is doing this gracious, good work in my life and, and, and who'll stand against the work of God? No one, of course. Then, then God's going to save me despite myself. Yes, that's all true. Then why would I say no to sin? And so when I hear someone asking that question, I feel like they're, they're getting the beauty of the gracious work of God to save us. They're understanding. They're seeing the vulnerability of God. Um, because the truth is, I'm going to love my three kids regardless of whether or not they respect me, regardless of whether or not they follow Jesus. Um, I'm going to unconditionally love them. I'm going to try to model to them what I've experienced from my Heavenly Father because I want them to see that. I want them to experience it. Now, I'm going to discipline them because that's in their best interest. But I'm going to lavish love on them. So I, I love this question because I think that someone is seeing how gracious and loving and unconditionally accepting God is towards them. And they're really wrestling with, well, then can I live like hell if heaven is my certain home? And and I would say the motivation is, is many. I've bulleted a couple things here. Uh, thankfulness is a great motivation. Um, thankfulness for salvation, uh, a love for God. When we see what God's done for us and we couldn't do it for ourselves, when we see that clearly, uh, a thankfulness will rise up within our hearts and we're going to want to honor him. In fact, I think this question grows out of a desire to say no to sin and looking for motivation to say no to sin. Uh, and so one of the great motivators is just a thankfulness and wanting to honor God with our lives. Uh, secondly, joy. Joy is a, a powerful motivator. N following Jesus is the wisest way to live. Grant talked about reading a proverb every day, and and what the Old Testament book of Proverbs was used to train leaders, and they would go through this book rigorously, and, and Proverbs number 10 talks about um, wickedness, and, and Psalm number one talks about wickedness and how it's not rewarded. And, and so I read Proverbs 10 today, and, uh, and it, it just, a wise son brings joy to his father, a foolish son brings grief to his mother. It just, it goes through what is righteous and wise. And, um, and so one of the real motivators in 
honoring God with our lives is joy. There's more joy in living wisely and following Jesus is brings us the greatest joy. I say no to sin because I'm convinced it brings death. I say yes to Jesus because I'm convinced he came that I might have life and life to the full, John 10, 10. Um, a third reason is future reward. First Corinthians chapter three talks really clearly about um, the benefit that is ahead, the rewards that we receive. This life may be hard, and when life is hard, we're often tempted to, to sin. So future reward is a great reason to say no to sin, uh, to discipline our lives. That's what I got. Love, joy, reward. What do you think, Grant? Um, <clears throat> even as Kelly was talking, I, what came to mind was uh, John 6, when Jesus asks the disciples, are you going to turn away and desert me to a bunch of disciples, people who followed him around, not the 12, but others, they're leaving, and he says, are you going to... Uh, leave too. And um, they turned to Jesus and say, or I guess it was Peter. He said, Lord, to whom would we go? You've mm. got the words that give eternal life. Mm. Um, so when I think about this question as I reflect back on why I choose to follow Jesus, uh, and it's like a daily choice, I think, mm. oftentimes, like I've got to choose today to die to self and follow Jesus. Um, I think of the alternative, you know, a life that is marred by sin or maybe more like in your face is the the consequences of sin, right? Um, that is not a life that I want for myself or my family. Um, I know exactly what sin delivers. And so, yeah, the alternative is just so, oh, you know, and I know what I've been rescued from. Um, e even I think the author of Hebrews is actually getting at this in part um, towards the end of the chapter in six, and he says, if we continue on in sin or our immaturity, um, we're shaming Jesus because we actually lift him up on the cross to be crucified again. Um, that's when we reject the, the gift of the gospel, right? We fully tasted it, we fully understood, and then we say, like, nah, I still want the sinful life. Um, and yeah, it, it just, it clarifies for me and kind of says, like, man, I don't want to play any part of shaming Christ, um, but stepping away from that gift of rescue would just be insanity, right? So, um, yeah, in some ways, it's the alternative is just so much worse than a short-term, and I'm overstating some, but a short-term death to self, putting away sin. Yeah. The question I hear, what is, what's wrong with godliness? Hmm. <laughs> you know? Like, the, the way... like It's if, hard. Yeah. I think I think a lot of good things are hard. I agree. I agree. I yeah. just think there's a resistance sometimes because it's it's yeah, hard it, it and seems boring. It feels very short-sighted. Mm. You know, and, and it's kind of you said it. So, well, both of you, Kelly and Grant, have said some very like beautiful things that I'm like processing as I'm listening. And um, but what I just I just come back to that question. Like, what is wrong with godliness? I mean, because it is hard. It is playing the long game versus. Uh, having an immediate, what feels like a, I don't know, a head of dopamine or something where you just like, oh, that felt good. I'm going to do more of that. Whereas it's actually empty calories. Mm. You know, it's not the, the transforming effect of following Jesus and becoming more and more like him, which is where abundant life is. And I was thinking of a couple of different examples of where Jesus is kind of calling people into this life when he is ministering particularly to to women. I kept thinking of the woman at the well. Like 
he is calling her into, I am your living water. I am what is going to sustain you. What you think is happening to you now is temporarily satisfying to you, but I am your satisfaction. And he says, I'm totally paraphrasing that if you know that story, but that's kind of the heart of it. John 4. I just, so anyway, I, um, yeah, it's having a life that strives towards godliness, not strives in this, like you having to earn it, but like your intentional and you're wanting to be godly is actual life. It's actual real life. Yeah. It's fulfilling and purposeful and it's worshipful and it doesn't take away hardships or pain. Mm-hmm. Let's just be super clear, but it gives you the, um, it gives, it gives you the, it gives you a way to, to endure it and to persevere mm-hmm. through it and to see other people and to have find meaning so that to me is that's what I want, you know yeah. the sad the quick, what feels like satisfaction and and my mom's calling me. <laughs> <laughs> that maybe that was a decent inter- interruption. <laughs> it, I, I just um, I I'm not sure if you the one sentence answer is once you've experienced mm-hmm. Jesus to like the fullest. Why would you want anything else? Mm-hmm. Yep. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Mm-hmm. When I was young, I used to work out because I I wanted to be good at sports. And I knew that working out was a part of that. <laughs> at 55, mm-hmm. I'm working out because when I don't work out, mm-hmm. I feel the aging yeah. really bad. That's for real. That's yeah, so true. <laughs> I feel stiffer, weaker, yep. quicker. I'm not as uh, flexible. Yep. And so it uh, there's a lot of that in discipleship. When you're young... Uh, I think you can be tempted with saying yes to sin um, because you, you don't you don't see the benefits of godliness as clearly. But as you age, spiritually speaking, you see, man, this this has a one for one correlation. If if I'm with Christ closer today, if I'm walking closely with Him and saying no to sin, things life is richer, fuller, more meaningful. So a direct one to one. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny that you said that because, like, as I get older, uh, <laughs> I, I get more grumpy at night mm. because I know that the clock is ticking. And if you I don't to get, get to up. bed by a certain time, <laughs> I won't get up at a certain time right. and I won't go work out. Yeah. And then the rest of the day, and it's like this domino thing. And so it, true. But it makes me angry and grumpy at night. Like, come on, we're going to get to bed. Come on, we're going to do it. But, you know, in this question, I think some of this is kind of what you were talking about. But if we can't lose our salvation, what motivation is it for godliness? And you're kind of saying, well, why, don't we why want wouldn't that? you want godliness, right? Mm-hmm. I, it, if you're wondering what the motivation is for godliness, I say the motivation is that you can't lose your salvation. Mm-hmm. That's my, that's the motivation for me. Like mm-hmm. it's, I liken it to like when you, um, if you set a goal and you're running, and for me it's like five miles, that would be a big deal, right? Um, there's that point where you hit like four and a half, where you go, I'm gonna make it. I'm gonna make it. Like there's no doubt that I'm gonna make this. Mm-hmm. I've, I've I only have a half mile left. I'm, yes, this is gonna happen. And just that experience of that last, you know, half mile or whatever it is for you, um, I'm more motivated than I am in any of it. Mm-hmm. I'm assured that I'm going to make this thing. So uh, um, Paul talks about this a lot. I, I have a few verses here um, where Paul, uh, he, he talks about this tension that the, the question asker is, is 
is bringing up here. So 1 Corinthians 15, for I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace to me was not without effect. His grace with, to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them. Yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. So Paul is saying, like, God's grace is in me. It's the fuel. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's the guarantor. It's, and I'm working hard. So Paul sees himself with both of those things happening, right? Again, in Philippians 2.13, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Ooh, look at that. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Oh, so we have to work it out. No, 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 wait. The next line. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. So you're working it out. God is also working in you. Mm. And um, finally, uh, Colossians 1.28, He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. It's beautiful. Like, it's it's a both and. Mm-hmm. Like, you should be motivated because God is at work in mm-hmm. you. Love it. Love it. All right, uh, last one. How do we keep from becoming like the Hebrews in today's passage? I feel overwhelmed by the reality that they no longer tried to understand. How did this happen to them, and how can we avoid that reality? Yeah, some of the translations say they became dull in their hearing. It's either hard of hearing or disinterested. And I'll be honest with you, I've gone through seasons like that in my life where I felt dull, disinterested, where I wasn't trying to learn, trying to understand. And those, God in his goodness um, reaches out, pursues us, continues his work of grace in our lives. And as Matt was saying, though, at the same time, we don't have to go into those seasons. We can um, pray and ask God to keep us soft-hearted uh, toward Him. I was praying just this morning for soft-heartedness on some issues, and uh, as well as praying for my my family, my kids, and that, w- that our whole family would be soft-hearted uh, towards the Lord. So um, we don't have the ability to control the future. Uh, but we do have the ability to, in, in this moment, respond to the Lord. So if the question asker is asking, how can I ensure that I'll never waste a day? Well, that's beyond our control. Um, but I, I do think we can um, daily uh, um, take inventory and guard our heart and make sure that we're remaining soft and, and talking to the Lord about that. What's that, uh, you told me your analogy, I have, have one that I share, but about um, game time's not, not when you learn a new skill. Yeah, just the notion of practice. Like, I, the analogy I talked about was discipline. Yeah, but you have a saying, like a kind of little huh. thing. I'll draw a blank. One of yours that you talk through. But in anyways, the, the point being, um, I think my, my approach to this is, um, oh, we get better at what we do every day? Uh, that wasn't it. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> but uh, it's we'll, brilliant. We'll, we'll get there. Um, the idea being, if that's something I'm 
afraid of, um, that doesn't come on typically in a moment, right? And so I guard against it today and tomorrow, preparing myself to not go there, right? So it's this kind of daily thing. When you're in the moment of crisis or the thing pops up, that's like the worst time to try to learn a new skill. So if everything just goes to heck, uh, that's it's not bad to start reading your Bible then. It's just much more challenging to be like, I'm going to start daily devotions, right? Uh, it would have served you well like getting into that discipline months ago mm-hmm. um, and prepped you to be able to weather that storm. So I think it's a even now start investing in those those disciplines of, for me, it's scripture and prayer, um, and that will guard you against complacency that leads to this immaturity or this kind of, um, yeah, dullness that can exist. Yeah, Jesus told the parable about building your house upon a rock versus building your house on the sand, and uh, storms came against both fellows. The guy that built his house on the rock had storms come against him, and the guy who built his house on the sand, their experience in the storm was very different, Grant, and that's what you're saying. Now's the time. Uh, if we don't want to be dull-hearted tomorrow, let's not. Let's do everything we can to avoid dull-heartedness today and, um, and, and building our house on the rock of Christ, staying soft-hearted and seeking him in his word and praying and... But at the same time, I want—I don't want to live in fear, and I just—if no. if this is question—if the question is born out of a desire to control or not, or being afraid, um, you know, we we need to talk to the Lord about that as well because He holds our future he for sure. For I just think there's something to be learned watching the Hebrews, the congregation that's reading Hebrews, right? If they learn this lesson, and, and whoever the author is is like, hey, this is kind of what happens. Well, I don't have to walk through that then. I, I can learn from their experience mm-hmm. and at least set myself up for success, mm-hmm. right? Uh, I mean, I think that's a large part of what we're doing on Sundays is reflecting on the things that God has taught historically um, so we don't have to go through the, the self-induced hardships, mm-hmm. um, like not clinging to Jesus in the midst of crisis. That's good. All right, that's all the questions we have for you today. If you have any further questions, comments, or concerns, don't hesitate. Text Next Level Podcast, 630-474-6164. Our podcast is dedicated to answering listener questions on two levels, answering specific questions about last Sunday's sermon, and also general questions regarding broader topics within the Christian faith. We love God and believe that Scripture is a primary means for our getting to know Him, and our hope is that this podcast extends the learning opportunity for all who want to know God better, strengthening not only your faith, but my faith and our faith together. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, listeners, for tuning in to the next level. Boom! Prophecy. <laughs>